0: Welcome to the Final Draft Great Conversations podcast. Today's Great Conversation is with Petronella McGovern. Petronella is a writer and an editor. Her debut novel, Six Minutes, came out in 2019, and today Petronella is joining me to discuss her new novel, The Good Teacher. My name is Andrew Popel, and every week I broadcast Final Draft from the studios of 2SER in Sydney. Two SER broadcasts from the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. And I'm recording on the lands of the Darug and Gundungurra people. I want to acknowledge the traditional owners and pay my respects to their ongoing connection to their lands. The final Draft Great Conversations podcast is all about books, writing and literary culture. I'd love it if you could give me a help to help others discover great new Australian books and stories. Wherever you're listening, if you give us a rating or even better, if you leave a comment, I'd love to hear from you. It means that our little podcast is going to pop in front of more people out in podcast land. And you know what? If you want to go old-fashioned, why not just tell a friend? Next time you're talking about a book you love, maybe you could suggest they listen to the interview on the Great Conversations podcast. So today on the show, the beginning of the school year brings a late enrollment into Alison Walsh's kindergarten class. Gracie has moved to Wirriga to be closer to the hospitals and treatments that hold the only hope for saving her young life. Alison prides herself as a caring person, but since her husband left, taking their son, she's been struggling. Taking Gracie and her dad into her home, Alison determines to save the family. But can she help this little girl with the tragic story? And what are the lines that a good teacher should never cross? Join me as we discover Petronella McGovern's The Good Teacher. My name is Andrew Popel, and I am joined on the line by Petronella McGovern. Petronella is a writer and an editor. Her debut novel, Six Minutes, introduced us to her particular blend of psychological thriller. And today, Petronella is joining me to discuss her latest, The Good Teacher. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me, Andrew. It's great to be here to have a chat.
0: Now, The Good Teacher... It's the beginning of the school year and it brings a late enrollment into Allison Walsh's kindergarten class. Gracie has moved to Wirraga to be closer to the hospitals and treatments that hold the only hope for saving her young life. Allison prides herself as a caring person, going above and beyond for the people in her life. Can she help this little girl and this and this tragic story? Now Petronella, fans of Six Minutes will know you as a writer of mystery and thriller, and that actually puts a few breaks on our conversation, because there are, there are going to be things we just can't talk about, and that's a little tease for the future reader. Suffice to say, there is something going on, though, in Wirriga. Alison Walsh, she's, she's finding herself sitting in a car outside her ex-husband's new house. Tony's being pretty shady himself, seemingly preventing Alison from seeing their son Felix. At the gym, Maz is trying to segue her personal training into a quick buck through overseas supplements. And all anyone, it seems, can agree on is that they desperately want to help Gracie and her dad Luke and save Gracie's life. So let's start with that community with Wirriga. Do you feel our our seemingly relatable, our everyday communities, the places we walk all the time, are they the sources of greatest drama?
1: Yes, I think they are, and I realised that um, my first novel was all about community, and certainly The Good Teacher is all about community, and I guess um, how we form a community and whether that's online or in real life, at school, at the gym. You know, gyms have amazing communities. My, my niece works at a gym, and she's always talking about the gym family in terms of the trainers. Um, and I think, yeah, in a community, we kind of trust people in a certain way and I guess the good teacher looks at who and who and why and how you trust people within a community and particularly um, people of influence like Alice and the teacher she obviously has a standing in the community as a good teacher um, and the gym instructor and the journalist and other people within the community who have a, a I guess a position of influence who are trusted but whether or not they should be is another question
0: Now, this is an ensemble cast there. You've you've sort of mentioned a few. Throughout, we hear and have the point of view uh, from Alison, Luke, Maz, even Felix, Alison's son. What does presenting these contrasting perspectives offer you as you try to build suspense in the book?
1: Well, I, I really love to hear what's going on in different people's heads. And, you know, in real life, we can't, we don't have that ability to just, um, pop into someone else's head and understand their thoughts. And I think it's always very interesting when you have a situation, everybody interprets it differently, the same situation, um, who, you know, with your own bias or with your own motivations. Um, so I really like that ability to, heads and see the same situation from another point of view and I think that takes us deeper into the characters as well so you know we have an understanding even if you don't like the character you have a better understanding of why they're behaving the way they are and their motivations for what they're doing.
0: It complicates things somewhat, though. Uh, you mentioned there that you know, in our everyday, we don't have that opportunity to pop into someone's head, and and I wonder if we would want it. I mean, as we watch tensions between characters grow in the book, it seemed like these competing perspectives—they it allowed you to play around with the reader's sense of the reliability of each narrator.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes, and I guess, um, I mean, this is not exactly about character, but I like, I like it to read a book that surprises me, and I guess I'm hoping that, as as you said, this book has a number of um, twists and turns and is difficult to talk about without spoilers, and I like that it's a surprising set of circumstances or set of characters, and I guess giving the characters in their own way, then you achieve that surprise, uh, whereas if you had everything from one point of view it would be more difficult to
0: do that surprise, perhaps. Mm. I want to pull on a particular thread here because, one, we obviously can't talk about certain things that are going to happen just because they're so much a part of the fun of reading, but also <laughs> because I think that in The Good Teacher, you actually have a lot to say about the world we find ourselves in today. Amazingly so, perhaps, because I don't think you, you when you were writing this, you could have quite predicted where 2020 would take us. <laughs> As Maz, sorry, go.
1: I was just going to say I um I'd written it to exist in 2020, and um, they were flying to Chicago in May 2020, and I had to rewrite all of that because they could not fly to Chicago in May 2020.
0: Um, Well, the thread the thread I want to pull on um is Maz. So Maz, she's seeking to set up a supplement business, and. As she does so, she does some groundwork. She's searching online, looking at testimonies, and using the wealth of information available to her. But she's also a person, I noticed, who who's, tends to think in absolutes. I mean, she looks at, say, uh other people's way of life and, and sort of goes, well, no, that's not a fitness way of life. You you can't have your cake and eat it too, so to speak. Um She's extremely motivated in her views, but she finds what she's looking for because she's looking for it and doesn't necessarily find everything, all the information there is available on the supplements that she sells. I couldn't. It couldn't help but sort of make me think to, today about how 2020 has shown us so much about our scientific illiteracy. Can you talk to me about how this kind of motivated thinking, say on Maz's part and in other parts of the book, plays into the psychology of a thriller and particularly, I guess, maybe that... What, Ma- what for Maz was known and what was unknown
1: <laughs> well I think it's like you say that there is this kind of blindness about um, the information and she just wants a particular point of view from the information that she's seeking and so she takes that and uses it to what she thinks is her advantage and may or may not be that way but I, I see you know with um, in, our, in our society well, in our online societies we, when we're looking online it's so easy with fake news and the way algorithms work to only receive the information you've already been looking for, you know, in the way that you get news that relates to what you're interested in. I don't understand it fully, but yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, and particularly on Facebook, once you've Googled something, other things come up and it's always reinforcing your own beliefs and you sort of lose. And I think this is what we're losing with traditional media. You're losing the ability to look across a range of um, viewpoints and a range of news that you'd normally see in a you know a traditional newspaper or a traditional TV whereas on new on social media you just get this sort of much more narrow view that you're interested in and that you believe in and then there's nothing to um, to what's the word let tell me the word Andrew to interrogate that viewpoint or to to question that viewpoint, so she's always looking for the biased information that she's interested
0: in. It seems you. And also, I was just going to say, it seems you also expose a stickiness of thinking in our everyday, and it strikes me that Gracie becomes this focal point of that, where everyone wants the best for her, but also believes they know what that best is. So Alison feels it's okay to sneak her ice cream every, every now and then, even though her dad says. We're going to limit sugar because of her cancer treatment, and Maz decides the supplements are for the best. And everyone has their own best, even when they contradict.
1: Yes, they, they absolutely believe in themselves. Um, I guess to their own detriment, or to the detriment of Gracie in this case. Um, and they're not they're not they're not open minded because they you know Alison believes she's been a mother, she's a teacher, she knows what's best for every child and Maz is so sort of ambitious and naively uh, naively ambitious that she feels she knows what's best as well. So, um, yeah, there's and even though they do this sort of little bit of research, they're not, as I say, they're not looking beyond what they already know. And I can see, we can see that, I guess, in America with the pandemic, we can see that in all sorts of ways in society.
0: Yeah, let's get into that a little bit. So, psychological biases, they play into all of the characters' actions, and we've discussed this a little bit. So, Alison, for one, she's devastated by her marriage breaking down, and she struggles to see the ways that this has changed her behaviour. Uncharacteristically, she starts stalking her ex, Tony, but as she becomes aware of that, she kind of, she pivots and welcomes both Luke and Gracie into her home, almost to rebalance, I guess, that sense of self, of who she is as a good person. Do you think those actions that we take in extremis tell us anything about who we really are?
1: Yeah, I think they do and I guess in Alison's case she's looking to kind of rebuild her own life and get back what she's lost and as a as a woman who's nearly 50 she's used to being a carer, a mother, a teacher and when a husband leaves and a son leaves she's lost all that so she's lost her sense of self and in that in in extremis then yes she's trying to find who am i and all at, at that moment is she can only be who she was she hasn't moved to you know whatever the next step might be and of course she's been forced into this situation so she hasn't you know she hasn't chosen for the marriage to break down um, or to leave the marriage um so yeah i guess she's really looking for a place or to recreate what she had in that way and i think um yeah when you push characters their limits. Uh, I think that's when they behave. Yeah, either at their best or their worst. I guess.
0: And I wondered then, as I looked at each of these characters, and as we as we see the situation, I guess, become more fraught, particularly around this concern that they have for Gracie and her worsening condition. Um, do you find that those actions are relying on on character traits or are they almost projecting and wishful, doing the things that we wish we were more like? I'm, and I'm, I know I'm being so very vague here, but I guess we, we can't talk too deeply about each character. I think
1: they're doing both, really. I mean, Maz really, you know, she wants to be a saviour in her head. She's like, imagine if, Imagine if I could do what no, what none of the scientists and the doctors and the specialists could do, and I think you know there is that sort of hopeful thinking about um, about disease and that, you know, and we see it you know with wellness warriors and, and tablets and pills. I mean, so a lot of alternate medicines that not med- you know magical solutions that um, you just wish for a magical solution, and sometimes I think. You know, that because our science has moved on so far and we've got, you know, everything's online, you can get, you can order things tomorrow. I feel like sometimes we just expect that everything should have a magic solution. We should be able to just, you know, order a a solution to cancer online and it could come in the post tomorrow. Um, And I feel that that's that's sort of part of what some of the characters' um, behavior and hopeful thinking. We come back to that. Yeah, Any right. of that question?
0: <laughs> we come back to that motivated reasoning, and also, I guess, that idea of of special pleading that this this case could be the one in a million, and in fact, why can't we all be the one in the million? But once you say that out loud, you it, you can hear how ridiculous it sounds. <laughs> yes, and then it is
1: that sort of um, very emotional moment, I guess, that they're looking at, and in the state of state of fear for some of the characters and state of um, manipulation and state of ambition and hope So yeah, they're all pushing towards it,
0: yeah. Let's come back to that idea of community we started off with because at its heart, The Good Teacher, it felt like a novel exploring contradictory ideas of community. And again, right from the outset, we see Alison. She's worried that her community, her, her the teachers that she works with, the people at the shops that she sees every day, that they might reject her if they discover that her marriage is broken down. And this is juxtaposed with her confidence that the community will just get behind and support Gracie and Luke, who are relative strangers. It actually felt like something is, is that we have our priorities all wrong. And in particular in the assumptions that we put on the role of, of women and what women are expected and not expected to do as it plays out in Alison's life.
1: Yes, I think you, you've summed that up very well. I don't even know what else to say about that because you just said that so well. Um, and I think um, Alison's son says, you know, mum's Mom, so busy looking after everyone else and he's feeling like she's not looking after her own son at a at certain point. Um, because she's outward looking to sort of fulfill the, the missing part of her, of her marriage and her family. And I guess I, um, I was sort of, and I inspired to write this book by a number of different things, but one of them was when I was helping out at school with, um, reading for a a kindergarten child and she, she was in, her family was in trouble and I threw myself into helping her and at one point her mother said, why, why do you want to do this? And they were strangers. And so she said, why do you want to help us? And sort of turned it around on me. And I had to sort of think, oh, what is it in my life that, that makes me want to help? Is there something, you know, is it the white knight syndrome of rushing in to help someone else? Is there um, a power play? You know, is there a motivational, what's the motivation betwi- behind wanting to help strangers? Apart from altruism, which is always wonderful. But yes, what is also going on as well?
0: And those motivations are so interesting and, and so hard to go into uh, for this brand new book that there is so much suspense and thrills that we want people to discover, but you have really hit on there the way the, the title leaps off the page, The Good Teacher, and it really complicates that word good when we start to go into motivations and what is Alison getting out of this. Um, but I also I just love the way you balance it, and I want to I want to speak just a little bit about Tony because I had a lot of preconceptions in my mind um, about Tony as you were presenting him, and then as his character unfolds, I liked the way you made him more nuanced. I I had him very much in the black and white um, as. I guess a bit of a bad guy and um, I thought that was very – speaking in just the broadest of brushstrokes here, I liked the way you made the interplay of both of them so much more nuanced.
1: Yes. Well, I think – I'm hoping all the characters are are nuanced in that way and I certainly think, you know, in real life, we we are so contradictory in real life Mm. as humans and behave one way to some people and another way to other people. And I, I'm hoping to draw that out in that kind of
0: relationship there. So, before before we say goodbye, I, I had one more question because I just loved a particular thing that you do. And perhaps this can maybe even just stay as a little bit of a spoiler for the podcast. I wanted to talk about your use of literary references, particularly Felix's ongoing Shakespearean homework, Now, there's a tradition in detective fiction around fair play and giving the reader a chance to solve the mystery. And I just wondered, are Easter eggs like Felix's homework a nod towards helping the reader out?
1: I think they may well be, yes. A a little nod to helping the reader out. But Felix is certainly struggling with his homework um, and would rather someone else deal with his Shakespearean homework. He's the 15-year-old son who's... um, not enjoying Shakespeare and doesn't understand why he has to read it. But the reader will realise eventually why he has to read Shakespeare.
0: that is a spoiler for people who have who have stuck around to the end of the, the podcast to, to hear and it is a spoiler for for the good teacher it is the second novel from Petronella McGovern uh, and it is an absolutely fantastic thriller that I would invite people to to delve into Petronella thank you so much for coming on the show thank you so much
1: Andrew it's been great.
0: That's it for this Great Conversation with Petronella McGovern. Petronella's new novel is The Good Teacher and it's out now through Alan and Unwin. Great Conversations is recorded on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation and on the lands of the Darug and Gundungurra people in the beautiful Blue Mountains. The show is produced and presented by Andrew Popel. To keep up with the latest in books, writing, and literary culture, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just look for at Final Draft 2SER. And click subscribe in your podcast app. It means there will be a new Great Conversation coming to you every week. I am Andrew Popel. I will be back next week with more Great Conversations from Final Draft. Till then, I wish you happy reading. Bye now.